Well, welcome to church. <laughs> hey, my name's Glenn Grind. I'm one of the pastors here. Just remain standing for just a minute as we read God's word. I want you to know that before I read this passage of scripture, I've been reading this for the last three months. And I believe this scripture is a word from God for me, for you, and for this church. And I know those are big words, but my, my prayer is that you sense God speaking to you today. Our passage comes from John 12. We're going to begin in verse 20. You'll see the words as they come up on the screen. It said, now we're, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Does that catch anybody? They want to see Jesus. <laughs> that made me think, I want to see Jesus too. Well, afterwards, Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus, and Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. And then Jesus said these words. He said, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And then Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven and said, I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. Thank you. You may be seated. I love that little phrase, sir, we want to see Jesus. And I know that you probably have friends here at Union Chapel. And, and don't you love our worship team? You come to see them. I mean, oh, man, they do so good, so meaningful. And, and the preaching here is pretty good, you know. Statement of faith there, you know, preaching here is pretty good. But really, the reason that you come here is because you want to see Jesus. And three months ago, when I was doing my little thing on my elliptical, and I read this passage, I just had to stop and say, that is what I want more than anything else. And so I was focused on what is Jesus' response because I didn't remember this. I'd read it before, but I didn't remember it. And I want to see Jesus. So what's this response? And I want to give you a little bit of background here because these Greeks, they're party crashers. They showed up. This is a festival right before Passover. And so in just a couple of days, Jesus is going to have the Lord's Supper. He's going to be betrayed, tried, and then crucified. And so that is coming up in one or two days right after this. And so this is the, festo, the Passover festival that these Greeks are coming to. And they didn't just walk up to Jesus. And so they walked up to Philip and said, hey, Philip, we want to see Jesus. And Philip wasn't sure what to do, so he got Andrew. And then Andrew and Philip went over to walk over to Jesus. Now, I think the significance of that is that Jesus was probably talking to a group of people. And they didn't want to interrupt him. But these guys were pretty insistent. And then Jesus comes back with this response. At first glance, it looks like he's kind of ignoring them. 
He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And how many times has a question been posed to Jesus and he comes back with something else? Just give us a yes or a no, Jesus. And he comes back with a story. But this isn't a story, this is an account. And don't disconnect this statement of Jesus from the request that these Greek men made. I believe that Jesus chose his words very carefully when he said, behold, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified because he's getting ready to leave. And he's telling these men the same thing he's telling the disciples and you and me, if you wanna see me, this is how you do it. Which brings us to our first big thought today. If you want to see Jesus, start by giving him glory. If you're filling in blanks, the word you wanna fill in there is glory. Now, please don't unplug. I know that glory is such a churchy word and nobody really knows what it means, but man, does this word carry some power with it. Check out this statement as it comes up on the screen. The glory of God is his presence, his power, his character, his essence, his being. That is the glory of God, is the wonder of who he is. And so when Jesus is glorified, it brings the transforming energy of God into our lives. I want you to know that the glory of God completely overshadows any failure you could ever commit. The glory of God's bigger than any doubt you could ever have. In fact, there's no sin, no sickness, no shame that can stand in the ultimate glory of God. Sometimes, especially when we lose a loved one, we wonder what heaven will be like. And we've got some neat descriptions in the Bible that kind of give us an idea of what heaven might be like, but all those words pale in comparison, and here is why. Because when we're face-to-face with Jesus, we are going to experience the unfiltered glory of God. We're going to be in his very presence. You see, right now, we get a little bit of his glory every now and then. But when we're with him, all that's, all that's gonna be wiped away. Could you imagine what it would be like to be in the presence of God and have absolutely nothing coming between the love that he has for you and the love that you have for him too? Everything will be made perfect. What an awesome, awesome day that will be. But there are things that can detract from God's glory in our lives because sometimes we have this problem of misplacing our glory in other things and Perhaps we misplaced God's glory in us, inadvertently. I mean, I think about why I started coming to Union Chapel. I mean, yes, they gave me a job and everything, but but I really liked it here. I loved it here. I I felt good when I was here. I came to church and looked at my wife, Leslie, and said, we've got to come here. I sure hope they pay me. And that's probably why you came to Union Chapel. But ultimately, the real reason to come and worship church isn't because you like it. (laughs) It isn't because it makes you happy. It's to bring glory to God. And here's what I found. When our focus shifts off of ourselves, our own wants and desires and our needs, and we focus on the needs that, well, not needs that God has, but we focus on the glory of God, that's when our hearts become the most fulfilled. The most contentment I've experienced in my relationship with Christ The most power and joy and satisfaction I've experienced is when I've been completely unaware of my own needs and focused on God's needs. That's what it means to bring glory to Jesus. I know you don't have this problem. I have this problem. Um, It wouldn't affect any of you. It's that I can be pretty selfish at times. 
And it just comes natural for me. You know, it comes natural for everybody. I mean, when babies come out, I mean, they are selfish, you know, and they don't think about other people. They just think about themselves. And it's so natural for us to be consumed with our own needs and desires. But when we let our selfishness go on, it breeds emptiness in our lives. You see, it doesn't matter if you don't know Jesus or don't believe in God. The more selfish you are, the more empty your life is going to be. And the more giving and generous and loving you are, the more fulfillment you're going to find in life. And so we want to make sure that we get our focus right, that we choose now as the time that we glorify Jesus and lift him up. And if you want to see Jesus speak his praises, express your gratitude and your love and your thankfulness to him for his provision, it just makes sense. The glory of God follows the people who follow God. Which leads us to our second big thought today. If you want to see Jesus, then there are some things that you need to let go. If you're filling in the blanks, it's L-E-T space G-O. There's some things that you need to let fall to the ground. And I love this. Jesus used a word picture. He said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it just remains a single seed. And my apologies to my wife. This is one of her favorite fall decorations, but it'll, it'll survive. And I decided, what does a grain of wheat look like? And so I peeled this piece off. And you got to peel the husk around it. And can everybody see this? Can everybody see this? You can, right? Right? No, it's so so tiny. In fact, that is a picture of a piece of wheat on my finger. It took me about five times because the wind kept blowing it off my finger. Thank you very much. But it's so small. And I want you to see how tiny it is, but we have to let these small little things fall to the ground and die. Now, sometimes we lose perspective, at least I can, and that little bitty grain of wheat can seem really, really big, and I don't want to let go of it. Jesus said it was going to be difficult. He didn't mince any words in this passage of scripture. He said, if you love your life, you're gonna lose it. He also said this, you should hate your life in this world. I mean, hate your life. Now, this doesn't mean, it's not an excuse to go around and whining and griping, oh, I hate my life. It just means that in response to the glory of God and his presence in your life, you should hate the things that come between him and you. I want you to see this question as it comes up on the screen. It's perhaps one of the most important questions you're going to ask yourself today. What do I need to let fall to the ground and die? What in my life is keeping me from experiencing the glory and the love of God? The Bible's clear about a lot of things, lust and sex, our thoughts and hate, the words we say, and the list goes on and on and on. And there are definitely temptations that we need to resist. Now, I know that you guys have come to rely upon me to bring deep spiritual truth to you out of my massive, unbelievable intellect. And that I just give these amazing statements that you could never figure out on your own. So here we go. You may want to write this down. It's going to be hard to remember. It's this. Temptation is tempting. I know. I know. And it's true, temptation is tempting. There is a pull in our hearts away from the things of God. And here's something that's helped me. I have to ask myself a question. Actually, I have to ask myself a question twice. I say, Glenn, what do you really want? Now, if I only ask it once, I say, yeah, I want that thing right there. That's what I want. I say, no, Glenn, 
What do you really want? What I really want is Jesus. What I really want is his presence. And when I ask that question a second time, I pull that little grain of wheat further away from my face and I can see the big picture. And so it's important to avoid doing bad things or distracting things. Because when you say no to those things, you're saying yes to Jesus. And when you say yes to those things, you're also saying no to Jesus. And so we want to let those things fall to the ground and die, die, die. Now, perhaps you need to say no to something that's not necessarily a sin. You know, I know some people, they've said no to Facebook. And I know some of you are just aghast. Because you're wondering, how are these people going to cook food for themselves without those handy videos that show you how to prepare? They're going to starve. They're going to starve. Now, let me start with, there's nothing wrong with Facebook. In fact, Facebook is probably one of the best ways that we communicate with you guys. And so it's a good thing. But what my friend found was that this became a distraction for her. Kind of, it interfered with her ability to give glory to and connect to Jesus. And so... She said no and cut way back. Now, there's so many other things that this could apply to as well. I know other people, they've said no to a smartphone and no to a computer. And not, it's not just one of these people, they're like, I'm so irritated with technology and I can't stand it. These are people who are like, this is really helpful for me. I really like this, but it's become a huge distraction in my life and I can't connect with God the way I need to if I have access to this. So they say no to it. Now, how do they function without the internet? They use it for everything. And they just laugh at me when I ask a question like that. It's not that hard, Clint. <laughs> they can explain how, how to do that. But for them, they lay that thing down. They let it fall to the ground and die so that they can reap a harvest in their hearts of God's glory. Whatever you need to let go of is minuscule compared to what God has for you. Now, do not stop here. Don't stop just by saying no. You know, as I grew up a Baptist boy, we had our checklist of things that we're supposed to do. And in our minds, we're reminded of all these things we're not supposed to do. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't go see our movies, and you don't dance, and you don't hang out with people who do. Amen, hallelujah. <laughs> and that philosophy of Christianity, it's, it's kind of rude <laughs> to offer that to the world. <laughs> Because Jesus wasn't the no man. He didn't say, don't you do all these things. There, he did say, go and sin no more. But Jesus' life was about action. He was about things that we do. He was about activity. And so when we let these things fall to the ground and die, we're doing more than just resisting temptation. We're making room for more of God in our lives. And there's some things that you and I need to let fall to the ground and die that aren't necessarily sins or temptations. Maybe it's a fear. What will they think about me if I bring up Jesus in our conversation? I can't do that. I can't pray that. How do I know if it will happen or not? I, I've got to be in control. You've got to let that die. Or how about this? God would never use me to do something like that. You just stomp that into the ground right now. Let that die. If you want to see Jesus, the best way to see him is to serve him and share his love with the people around you. He's going to show up. It just makes sense. 
The more your life reflects Jesus, the more Jesus is going to be in your life. And so the Christian life is defined by action. As you see that statement up on the screen there, it says the best way to see Jesus is to love like Jesus, serve like Jesus, pray like Jesus, to meet people where they are like Jesus, to ask God to do great things like Jesus. If you start doing things like these, Jesus is going to show up in your life. Have you ever thought about what the word Christian really means? I mean, the root word is Christ and the suffix is ion, I-A-N. And ion literally means like a little or it points to. So you and I are supposed to be a little Jesus, like a mini Jesus even. Okay, I got some laughs. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. You're very generous. But the point of all that is to say, the way I live should point to Jesus. I should be doing the things that Jesus did. I should be saying the things that Jesus said. I should be encouraging the way that Jesus encouraged. My life should, by activity and what I do, should look like Christ. Way more than what I don't do. And there's one other seed that we all need to let go of to one degree or another, and that is time. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you are going to see him. Now, most of you are normal, adjusted people, and you can sit quietly and connect with God. Maybe you have a special place that you pray and read the Bible. And I, I wish I was like you, but I'm just not. And so I try to sit quietly, and my brain, my brain just blows up. I'm thinking about everything under the sun, my ADD or whatever you call it, it just kind of goes crazy. And a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, really, Terry Takel, he shared what he did to help him build this connection with Jesus. And so he'd put his earbuds on and some worship tunes on and he would go for a jog. I thought, I can do that. So I put my earbuds in and I started jogging. It was not a spiritual experience for me at all. And so some friends in their wisdom encouraged me and said, well, Glenn, give it a try. And so I kind of toned things back and instead I hopped on my elliptical. And I had my, my Bible out, my electronic Bible out. I was reading and I said, that helped me focus. Getting moving for me helps me connect with God. And I know I've got plenty of friends. For them, they connect with God in the car when they're driving by themselves. They waste lots of gasoline driving around connecting with Jesus. And if that's you, then buy a gas card and get on with it because you want to build that connection with God. One of my favorite preachers is Craig Groeschel, and he has one of the weirdest ways to connect with God and for him, it's essential for him to floss his teeth. Because if I get up and floss my teeth, I feel more disciplined about myself. And I have my time with God. And I feel more disciplined about myself. And then I, I exercise, and that relieves stress. And I, and I feel better about myself because of that, and more confident in my relationship with God. And then I also eat healthier because I've been exercising. And because I exercise, I sleep better so I can get up and connect with God. And the circle begins. I thought, well, I can floss my teeth. I can do that. Bad news for you guys, I'm still just as lazy after I floss my teeth as I am before. But my teeth are in better shape. The point is, you find how you can connect with Jesus, how you can find time with him that's meaningful. So whatever you have to let go of, time, fear, or sin, it can never compare to what God has in store for you. Which leads us to our biggest thought today. I'm so excited about point number three is that God is going to reveal himself again. 
I've been struggling all weekend long to convey to you the magnitude of this statement. I want to read the words of Jesus right before these words from heaven. Jesus said, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. This is for this reason that Jesus was going to die on the cross. And Jesus' statement after that wasn't, for the sins of the world, for the sake of the lost. He said, no. He said, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. And God said, I have glorified it, and I am going to glorify it again. I mean, God spoke from heaven. And so for me, this kind of baffled me. I get it when God spoke from heaven when Jesus was baptized, but God said, I've glorified it and I've glorified it again. Jesus and God, they were trying to help the disciples understand what was going on. I want you to see this statement as it comes up on the screen. You've heard it before, but it doesn't diminish the truth of it. God wants to reveal himself through you. Through you. Yes, through you. God longs to reveal himself through you because this declaration from God, this statement that he made from heaven, it's prophetic in nature. And the reason we know that is because Jesus said these words, if you can read it in a few verses later, he said, you heard this voice from heaven was not for my sake, but for your sakes. So this is a promise from God to you and to me. God said, I have glorified my name and I am going to do it again. This is God's promise to the disciples. This is God's promise to his church. This is God's promise to you and to me. God has done it before and he is going to do it again. That's where the amen goes. Yes, 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 yes. Last month, as a staff, we went to the old location of Union Chapel. It's still in the middle of a cornfield. I still had to pull out the GPS to find it. And as a staff, we filled up half the room. We went there to remember, but not just to remember, but to dream and to believe God for what he wants to do. Because as a staff, we believe that God is going to do it again that he is going to raise up himself, that he's going to reveal his glory through you and through me in supernatural ways, and we are trusting him to do the impossible. And there's little signs that we've been seeing that God's doing some great things. There's just a few little things that I've picked up. A lady came to church, and she asked that we would pray for her. And we pray for people to be healed all the time. And God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we expect and she shared with us that she had vertigo and the medication that the doctor was giving her knocked her out for like a day and a half and she couldn't go to work. So I don't know what to do. Can you guys pray for me? We prayed for her. I got a call three days later. I said, Glenn, God healed me. My vertigo is gone. I don't have to take that medicine. He made me whole. God touched me. There's another time a man walked in and I was talking with him and he was just facing so many challenges and struggles. I mean... Just, in fact, he confessed to me that he even doubted that God really existed. And he was there just because his wife wanted him to be there. And, and he wasn't even sure about God at all. In fact, he was detoxing as we were talking. And so I was talking to him and trying to share, encourage him, and really wasn't making much progress. And I said, well, hey, let's pray. Do you mind praying after me? And so just simple little prayer. 
And I couldn't tell anything was happening. And then he looked up at me and he said, my detox symptoms just vanished. As I was praying, they just went away. It's a little picture of the glory of God. Now, if you were not here last weekend, you should have been. Really, I mean, you should have been. You need to check out last weekend's message. But before that message, Pastor Greg shared about some things that are happening at our first church plant and our REACH program at Pathway Church in Marietta, Ohio. They've already broken through the 200 barrier. You know, they've already broken through 200 people coming to their church. And 65 people have given their lives to Christ. It's phenomenal. And you're going to go back, if you want, you're going to go back and listen to the message because Pastor Paul Erminger, who used to be on staff here, he is leading our church plant efforts in Cape Coral, Florida, called Gulfside Church. And the things that God has been doing to make that happen will boggle your mind. And we're not launching until mid-September. I mean, if you made a movie about it, nobody would believe it. It's that kind of stuff. It's amazing. God is saying, I'm going to do it again. And maybe the next thing that God is calling us to do just maybe has to do with this REACH program that we keep talking about, planting 10 churches in 10 years. And who knows where the next church is going to be. It might be on the other side of the world. It might be in some state that we don't realize right now. But God is on the move. The Lord our God is revealing himself in new and wonderful ways. And you and I, we don't want to miss out on it. So there's some things we need to let fall to the ground and die. We need to realize that God is going to reveal his glory in and through us. I want you to know, as you have the option to give glory to God right now, it's your choice. But one day, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because that's what's going to happen when God reveals his glory fully. There's no other response that any other person could have than to fall on their face and to worship the glory of God. And you and I, we have the privilege and the honor of being able to reflect that glory right here, right now. God has something for you today. He wants to reveal himself to other people through you this week. And so pray expectantly. Expect him to move in and through you. Isn't that good? Would you bow your heads with me as we pray and the worship team comes up? Jesus, we come before you and we are amazed by your love. Lord, we know ourselves. We know all the ways we've blown it. And yet you love us. You willfully and joyfully went to the cross to pay for our sins just so that we could know you and you could reveal your glory through us. And we're just going to take just a minute for you to speak to us, God, because I know there's some things in my life that I need to let go of, some little seeds I need to, need to let fall to the ground and die. Would you just reveal to us what those things might be? Maybe there's a sin that we just need to get rid of, get the right perspective. Maybe there's a habit that's a good thing, but it's di distracting us from you. 
we're going to let it fall. Maybe there's a fear, fear of rejection, fear of what other people think. And oh man, we're going to let that fall to the ground and die too. Because we long for you. We long for your glory. We want your presence, God, more than anything else. We want to reflect your greatness and your love. And so Jesus, fill us with your spirit. Let your life pour through us. Encourage us and strengthen us to be the people that you want us to be. And perhaps there's someone in here who has yet to make that ultimate commitment to you. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've never experienced the freedom of Christ because you've never given your life to him. It's a simple thing that you can do. You can just pray this prayer in your mind. Dear Jesus, I give my life to you. I confess my sins to you. I receive your forgiveness. I ask that you would fill me with your strength and I dedicate the rest of my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, would you stand and sing with me? I want you to know that this song is a reflection of this message. So worship him with me.